0: Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones.
1: Welcome inside the UC Health Training Center for episode number two of The Snap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Alexis Perry alongside Sydney Jones and we are 10 days into Broncos training camp. We got a lot to talk about and I think we have a really
2: fun show planned for you guys today. We definitely do, Alexis. Later in the show, Allie Engelkin, the Executive Director of Community Development here with the Denver Broncos will join us to share some insight into her career. But first, we relive some of the best moments from the first 10 days of training camp and joining us today to do that, the man who has the best seat in the house for each day of practice, the one and only, the Hall of Famer, Steve Atwater. Steve, What's up? How you doing?
0: Not much. You're right. I do have the best seat. I've had the best seat in the house uh, in training camp, and it, it, I'm honored to, to be in that seat with uh, some great guests.
2: Steve, can you put it in perspective for us and for everyone at home? How weird is it to be at training camp without the fans, especially for these veteran guys who are on the field and used to having fans here every single year?
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's really weird. It's really strange, uh, and you know the young guys they don't know any different because they you know this is their first time being here and also the uh the the free agents who've come from other teams they have no idea they have no idea what to expect but normally that whole hill over there is is full of fans all on the side over there with the tents and radio row uh it, it's it's definitely quite odd but i think everyone knew Uh, coming in when they reported to camp that it was going to be quite different and we're going to have to make some adjustments. And I I think uh, everyone has adjusted really well. And seems like the guys have gotten honed in pretty good because I, I think they're much further ahead than I thought they'd be at this time of camp.
1: Well, Steve, the biggest storyline surrounding this team right now, unfortunately, is the injury bug. 11 players missed practice on Monday. Melvin Gordon was back at it on Tuesday, but Coach Fangio noted that this team is dealing with more soft tissue injuries right now than they did all of last season. He said that there were some faults in how they set up the acclimation period along the way. So what do you think some of those faults of the acclimation period might have been?
0: I would imagine it's... it's Just the the amount of time that's allowed for practices, either it's too long or it's too short, um, because it really didn't start until the practices extended and practice was supposed to be two and a half hours. That's that's, uh, when when it really got bad. But uh, prior to that, it was okay. Uh, And I don't know if the coaches and and the players really know how to adjust uh, with, you know, having to uh, slow down things, having to speed things up, having to get more reps, fewer reps. We're just not used to it. This is new territory for everyone. And, um, you know, I, I think we've made it through okay, considering the situation. Uh, and we knew that going in, it, it wasn't going to be perfect. And uh, it's proven to be just that. It, it, it's not perfect. And uh, but But fortunately, we don't have too many... A, uh, really serious injuries. We all have, right. like you said, the soft tissue injuries that uh, may take a week or two to, to get healed. And um, as long as we don't have as many of the season-ending injuries like Justin mm-hmm. uh and Austin Ford's, Hopefully, Austin Ford is not uh, all season long. But as long as we don't have injuries on that level, I think we're still in a pretty good position.
1: Well, something that I think is really impressive is the fact that, truly, it's only been 10 days of an on-field installation of Pat Shermer's offense and Vic Fangio's defense now in year two. When usually you have OTAs, you have an offseason where you guys are actually getting some on-field work done. So are you fairly impressed with what you've seen from this team, given the fact that it's only been 10 days?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and the guys, they've done a great job and the coaches have done a, a great job of, of teaching the guys. But the guys have done a great job of kind of picking it up and, and understanding it. And they, they aren't making a ton of mental errors, at least from what I can see. It doesn't look like. Uh, the guys are in the wrong place. Uh, they look like Drew Lock is throwing the ball to places where receivers aren't. Uh, he's throwing very catchable balls. He's he's putting most of them on the money, and uh, it's been it's been really impressive, especially considering it's only been ten eleven days of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, how many days has it been? That been ten? Ten? Yeah, today's ten. Yeah, 10 today. today's yeah. 10. yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's impressive. It really is. And not uh, granted, we know that. Some of the guys got together throughout the summer and practiced some and uh, got on the same page. But it's still different once you get out there with the coach who's making all the adjustments and corrections, uh, making sure that you're you know, lining up, hey, one yard further outside or inside or forward or back, just making those corrections. Uh, it's impressive.
2: Now, Steve, there was a lot of unknowns surrounding the cornerback position heading into training camp. We obviously know that A.J. Boye and Bryce Callahan have the first two starting spots, but the number three cornerback role is still up for grabs. Head coach Vic Fangio said no one is pulling ahead in the competition between Devontae Bosby, Isaac Yadam, and Devontae Harris. Steve, what are your thoughts on these guys? Who do you see pulling ahead in that race?
0: Well, I think um, out of those three players, I would have to say Devontae Bosby, won because he had won the starting position last year, and up until he had gotten injured, he was he was playing really well, um, and I, I think that he'll pick back up where he left off. Now he's certainly going to have a lot of competition from um, from uh, not only uh, Isaac Yadam but also Devontae Harris, um, and then Michael Ojemudia. He's going to, you know, the coaches are going to give him a fair shot to have an opportunity to play. Uh, because he's you know third round draft pick big physical corner who can run uh, he's going to get an opportunity as well so it it really is a, a a good battle uh good healthy competition that makes the entire defense better
1: yeah well just because Michael Oje Mudia isn't on the field right now dealing with an injury that doesn't mean that he's not going to be able to compete for that number 3 starting position uh, maybe not necessarily week 1 but later on in the season
0: no you're absolutely right and you know, in order to get drafted in the third round, you're doing, you've you had some film that the coaches really like and that the scouts liked and they see something in you. And he's he's made several plays throughout training camp. Uh, we're hoping he can get back on the field so he can continue to, to prove not only to the coaches but to his teammates that he can play at this level, that he can make plays, and he can be effective when he gets on the field. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's some step. Stiff competition for their third-corner position.
1: Okay, let's switch gears to the offensive side of the ball. I have to say one of the brightest spots during this training camp, really the entire tight end room, seriously, yes. I mean, stacked <laughs> with talent. Nick Van had said after practice on Tuesday that this is his fifth training camp, and he can honestly say from top to bottom this is the most competitive room he's ever been in. I mean, wow. he's been three and a half seasons in Seattle. The man has played alongside Jimmy Graham, a five-time Pro Bowler. He has seen some strong tight ends. Steve, uh, hypothetically, if you were still playing the game, which one of these Broncos tight ends do you think would give you the most trouble in coverage?
0: Uh, Gary Bowles. <laughs> oh, he's, a, he's a top. <laughs> you know, I, I think all of these guys would give me fits. Uh, and I, I don't think any... NFL team has the depth at the tight end position that we have right now. And uh, it's quite remarkable, you know, considering that we got Noah Fant. uh, We we had Troy Fubangali and Jake Butt on the roster. Now, of course, Jake Butt, he's been injured. He's had the injury bug. Hopefully he's over that. He's been playing amazing uh, in training camp, not only with his route running, but he's making the great catches, but he's also doing a great job Blocking, uh, whether it be defensive ends, linebackers, chipping, uh, he, he's doing everything he needs to do to make this football team. And then I can say, if he doesn't make this football team, he can play in the NFL somewhere. Right. If he this thing, that's the only thing with him though is he's had some injury issues, and we're all hoping that that's behind him.
2: Steve, come
1: on! You forgot about Albert Wabanom Hold up, Steve. You actually hold up. We have to give Sydney <laughs> some credit right now. Last week, this was brought up on the show that saying Albert O's last name is kind of a flex. So the flex of the week goes to Sydney. Girl, I really think that Thank we you. have. Thank you. I know we have to try to get his name in at least once a week. I agree. We have to get him on the show.
0: Oh, Albert O is in the mix, big time. I mean, I think right now, if if if, if it were me, I got. if You say you want to keep how many tight ends, you saying Four. Four. Okay. No, a fan. You know you're keeping Nick Bennett. Mm-hmm. Albert O. And it would be a. That, that fourth slot, it would be tough between Jake Butt and Andrew Beck. And, uh, man, Troy Fumagalli. too. I was going to say, you don't think uh,
1: Booms going to make this roster? Well, I mean, it's it, tough. if you
0: keep four, it's going to be tough because the one thing about Andrew Beck is he plays fullback, too. Two, right. And. When he played last year, he played well. I, I, I'm, a, I'm an Andrew Beck fan.
1: Right. Um,
0: and like I said, I, I don't think any team in the NFL has as many tight ends that could be legitimate starters and legitimate stars on a team that, than we have. And uh, we, we're very fortunate to, you know, nobody can say anything about John Elway talking about, oh, the guys that he picked no. John Elway <laughs> did a heck of a job. He and Matt Russell and, and the rest of I'm sure with the assistance from the coaches, uh, they, they've done a wonderful job of putting this roster together. Now the guys just got to go out and show that they can play up to the level that, uh, that, 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 of the talent that they have.
2: Right. All right. I know we could talk about the tight ends all day. They look great, but they wouldn't look nearly as good without Drew Locke throwing to them. Steve, what are some of the biggest improvements you've seen from Drew Locke this camp?
0: Well, uh, he played pretty well last year when he played, except the, the one game in Kansas City where I don't think any of us played well in either aspect mm. of the game. Uh, we, we didn't have that. I like day- to
1: forget about that yeah, one. Yeah, we
0: forget about that one. Um, but Drew Locke has shown that he's a really good leader, a good young leader. The players on the team, both sides of the ball, they, they respect him, and they're, they're looking for him to be that leader. And I don't think the, the stage is too big for him. Uh, he looks right at home. He He's prepared when he steps on the field. He he knows what he's doing. And that that's where it all starts. And we know it's not going to be perfect in the beginning, but uh, I expect improvements over each four-game period. I believe you're going to get better and better and better. And um, I think Drew Locke is going to prove to you that he's going to be the Denver Broncos quarterback for the next Ten, fifteen years.
1: Ooh, bold I statement. Hope so. I oh, like that. Nice. I see it. Okay. Well, on Sunday, you actually had the opportunity to address the entire team. What was the main point that you were really trying to get across to this young roster?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it was an honor, first of all, for Coach Fangio to invite me out to to talk to the team. But uh, the first message that I wanted to get to get across to the guys is that. NFL careers are short. Even if you play 20 years in the league, it's still a relatively short period of time compared to how long we're all on this earth. And the last thing you want to do is, when you look back on it, you have regrets. And, you know, the, the things that people regret mostly is not giving it all, not giving it their all, not, not putting forth an honest effort, giving 110%, 120% uh, when they're on the field or in, in studies and in that. And, I, you know, I've had some guys... I've been on the show. Who've shared with me, "Hey, I, I, I re- regret not uh, not being a better leader when I played." And another guy, uh, he regrets not going as hard uh, when he was with his previous team. When he came to the Broncos, he he he, he played harder. Uh, he wished he'd have done that a little earlier. And for me, I, I wish I would have got on the jugs. I would have had more interceptions. But that's <laughs> the story. Uh, so that, that was the first message just say, hey, just give it all you got while you can. It's, it's, it's it goes by super quick and once it's gone, it's never coming back and you can't, can't go back after you retire. <laughs> and then the, the second message was uh, just holding each other accountable. Just, you know, you shouldn't have to have the coaches, you know, yelling and screaming at you You guys hold each other accountable. And I, I think they'll do that. They have great leaders who, uh, who are giving great effort and setting good examples. and, Uh, hopefully they can kind of make it to where that's the standard where, you know, guys work hard and then they, they, they hold all the young guys, old guys, everybody, everybody's been held accountable. And then the last message was just one on, um, you know, relationships, knowing that, you know, it's it's not all about football. I mean, you know, absolutely. It's 85, 90%. You got to be a good football player. Got to, you know, handle all your business with football, but, you also have to interact with your teammates, coaches, everyone else in the building, uh, your trainers, and you know, yeah, hey, even us. Uh, right. You know, we don't, you know, we're doing everything we can. Everyone is doing everything they can to really support them and and to make it you know, better for them to play play well. Uh, and it, it, it's really easy to just smile and be nice to people and uh you can you know you just don't know how far that can go to making a person's day. So just you know really being good people and being being nice and, and uh you know uh fostering good relationships.
1: Well Steve before we let you go I have to know what is one piece of advice that you shared with the team that you think could apply to anyone listening?
0: The one thing I would say is the one thing that I see that holds a lot of people back is being afraid of making mistakes, trying to be perfect. You guys hear me talk every day. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere near perfect. I don't even try to be perfect anymore. <laughs> well, Man, you're I, perfect, I, Steve. I, I Come shoot, on. I shoot, you really are I perfect. Shoot to, <laughs> I, I shoot to be good, but I'm not going <laughs> to let perfection stop me from getting, you know, get, getting something done. And um, so that will be my thing. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect. People, a lot of people don't even relate to being perfect. Right, um, and you know, the more people realize that it doesn't have to be perfect, I think the more people can uh, go for their dreams, and you know, they may not get a hundred percent of them, but hey, ninety, ninety-five percent of it, hey, that, that's just as good to me.
1: Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us here today. It was a pleasure having you on the snap. Everyone be sure to follow him on Twitter at Steve Atwater Twenty Seven. And for more great insight, tune in to training camp live every training camp practice at nine fifteen in the morning. This Thursday, he will be joined by Tyler Palumbus. That's gonna be fun.
0: T P that's my guy. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh chopping it up with Tyler. We uh we, we used to do the show together. We he's going right after us and Yeah. He, he, he wrestled me up against the wall one time. <laughs> so. Can't we, wait we had, to, we hear to hear that story. Yeah, I got to tell him we can't be doing that, yeah. man. You're a <laughs> lineman.
1: Hour long of story time with Steve Atwater and Tyler Columbus on Thursday. Again, Steve, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Steve Atwater, the Hall of Famer. Man, what a guy. Seriously, what a guy. I don't know if there's anyone who has better advice than the Hall of Famer. I mean, he is a Hall of Famer, so he must have done something right. Sydney, like you know, here on the snap, one of our main goals is to highlight some of the most prominent and dominant women within the Broncos organization and the NFL. So today we are ecstatic to be joined by executive director of community development, Ali Engelken, who has been at the forefront of some of the massive contributions this organization has made over the years. In just 2019 alone, the Denver Broncos donated more than $1.5 million helping this organization become a finalist for ESPN's Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year Award. Allie, thank you so much for joining us here on The Snap. Describe your role a little bit within the Broncos organization.
3: Community relations within the NFL, I believe to be utilizing a team or an athlete's brand to make a positive and measurable impact on the community. Um, here at the Broncos, we do that in a few different ways. So we have opportunities for players specifically to volunteer their time, talent, and treasure in giving back, uh, opportunities for our staff to participate in monthly staff service opportunities, as well as our incredible community partners that we work with all throughout the year uh, to really utilize our brand as an agent for social change.
2: Ali, when did you know you wanted to work in community relations for an NFL team? And what was the path like to get here? That's a great
3: question and one that I get asked a lot by those aspiring to go into community relations. I am biased, but it is one of the best parts of working in sports. And I really fell into the role because I didn't know much about it. My passion was always in community service and my goal was to work for a nonprofit. I wanted to make a difference wherever and however I could. And after an informational interview with a family friend who worked for a nonprofit, um, at the very end, he said, You know, you've given me all of these textbook answers, um, but what do you love? And I was like, Well, I love kids and I love sports and I love community service. And he was the one who made me realize that that was a career opportunity and something that I could pursue. And so he introduced me to uh, Renee Harvey, who currently serves as the vice president of the Cleveland Browns Foundation. And after sitting down with Renee for five minutes, I was like, I want a job like that. It is incredible the amount of support that you have as an organization and the amount of uh, amazing work that you can do with that brand. And so I went back to graduate school specifically to study sport management and business administration. Um, And once I was in grad school, I knew that community relations was the place where I wanted to be. And within the incredible world of sports, there is nothing greater than the NFL. And I was very fortunate to start my career down that path.
1: What have been some of the biggest highlights or some of the most fulfilling moments of your career?
3: It's hard to choose a favorite initiative or program, but I always do find in every type of opportunity in giving back a favorite moment of that day. And one of my favorite things to do at an event, specifically when we have players who are volunteering their time to work with us um, is not only looking at those that they're working with, so the kids, the fans that they're interacting with, but to look at the players and realize that they are making a difference in this short amount of time, um, and it's impacting the players just as much as it is those that they have the ability to serve alongside with. And so I think those are my continual favorite moments. And Um, You'll often hear me quote, this is why we do what we do. And those are the little moments that keep you going and through long hours or stressful weeks or really just wanting to do so many incredible things. When you can stop every single day, look at something that you're working on and think this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It just propels you forward, you know, through a really long season. Well, training
1: camp is usually a really busy time for your department, as well as the players who like to surprise families and other kiddos coming out to training camp. How have you guys had to adjust during the COVID-19 pandemic and how are players still able to give back to the community during this time?
3: Yeah, in the time of COVID and the year of 2020, um, you know, at the heart of what we do, we bring people together for a common cause. And in 2020, we are physically unable to do that. And so it's really forced our department to think outside the box. And um, to hone in on what is the ultimate goal of an event, or a visit, or a surprise, or an appearance, and how do we take that ultimate goal and still make that happen within the confines of the situation that we're in? And so, you know, while we can't bring out a family to training camp and surprise them, we have players that are making surprise calls to them off-site, and so it's been a lot of Zoom calls and virtual visits. Joe Jones is still participating in a weekly virtual children's hospital visit during training camp. And he's, you know, claims that that's his way to disconnect from football for just a short amount of time, connect with some kids and families and give back. And, you know, our goal is to meet the players where they are. And we realize that training camp's an incredibly stressful time in a player's career. And so we try to be mindful of that and be respectful of providing opportunities to those who are looking for them, but also, um, understanding that everyone's time and commitment and families look very different right now. A few other ways our players have been giving back during training camp, we have seen them get creative with the resources that they have at home. So uh, players who do have access to Zoom will participate in uh, recording sessions for upcoming programs that will launch later this season. And they're taking this time while they're at home with their families. They may originally be staying in a hotel if it was a different year, but now that they're home with their families, um, they're working with us to create incredible content that Broncos country will get to know our players helmets off with their families throughout the entire rest of the season.
2: Allie, despite COVID throwing a wrench in your plans this offseason, your team still put on some amazing events, the Boys and Girls Club renovation, the Food Bank of the Rockies, the Back to Learning program. Tell us a little bit about those.
3: I am so proud of the department and everyone stepping up and finding solutions to those challenging questions. And again, it goes back to at the core of what we're doing, what is our ultimate goal? You know, for back to learning, our ultimate goal is to provide students and teachers for what they need to be successful going back to school, whether that may be from their couch or a physical school building, those students still need our support. And if we cannot bring a, in-person drive to training camp, what can we do with our resources to still make the goal, um, meet our goals, and to have that program still exist. And so it was a lot of creativity, a lot of contingency planning of here's plan A, B, C, all the way through Z of if this will work, this is what we'd like to do. But I really give so much credit to not only the community department, but our community partners who are willing to work with, the, with us in that way and reaching out to Mile High United Way, who we partner with in order to distribute school supplies and think outside the box and say, well, we can't do this big back to school festival and fair that we have done in the past that provides 400 kids with backpacks and school supplies, but we have an empty parking lot at the stadium with this really incredible Mile High monument what do you think about a drive-through tailgate school supply pickup? And we have partners that'll say, I love it, let's do it, and we move forward. And so when you have collaboration across uh, the partnerships, you can see so many special things come to life that you wouldn't normally even think to do or you wouldn't ever want to jump out on a limb and um, see what happens. And this year, we were almost forced into some of those situations, and they turned out to be incredible. And some traditions that we will continue next year, you know, past COVID, hopefully.
1: Well, one of the biggest fundraisers of the entire year is the annual kickoff luncheon. And I know that has to look a little bit different this year due to the coronavirus pandemic. So how is the kickoff luncheon still going to happen and how can people still
3: participate? That's a great question. Our annual kickoff luncheon is presented by U.S. Bank and Aero Electronics. It's our largest, most visible fundraiser event of the year typically bringing in uh, more than $250,000 that directly supports all of our community programs and grants throughout the year. And so while we can't bring together a large group of 500 of our closest friends and the entire roster and coaching staff, we wanted to keep as much of the event's integrity intact as possible. And so we have an incredible silent auction that runs throughout the entire month of August. And that was something that we could still, with our software, Host that auction online. So we're still fundraising right now. We have incredible packages and opportunities if anyone is interested in bidding on them before it closes September fourth. But that was one way that we could keep that part of the event uh, intact. We are very fortunate to have a great broadcast team who has access to. Resources to allow us to take the program and the elements of the in person kickoff luncheon show, and we're actually transitioning that into a TV special. So, those who can't usually attend the event or don't have a ticket to attend can now tune in September 9th on Wednesday at 6 30 p.m. Uh, and see everything that you would normally see at that event interviews with players and coaches, highlights of community partners. Um, Our host, Dave Logan, will be hosting, you know, that TV special as well. So that was another way just to keep the integrity there. And then what I'm most proud of and excited about is transitioning lunch. So you have a lunch program typically used as a hospitality experience for corporate partners. Our corporate partners this year are donating their lunches to others. And so instead of coming to the event themselves, they're identifying champions in our community, healthcare professionals, frontline workers, uh, first responders, teachers, nonprofits, and they're donating their lunches outwards. So the week of August 31st, we'll be delivering 2,700 lunches across four days throughout the entire city of Denver. It's 71 delivery drops, um, and we'll be joined by Broncos cheerleaders, uh, Miles the mascot, and we'll be visiting all of these incredible champions in our community and treating them to lunch alongside our corporate partners. And so when it comes, you know, comes to 2020, it's all about creativity and thinking outside of the box. And that's something that I'm just really proud of the entire organization because it's an organization wide event that we've all come together for something so different and unique, but um, will hopefully be something really memorable for us next week.
1: Well, Allie, truly, it sounds like you have one of the most fun and fulfilling jobs here within the Broncos organization. So what advice would you give someone looking to get into the community relations or community development field?
3: Passion is the most important uh, aspect of the job. And I think that that is similar for working in sports, but in community relations specifically, um, you are at the mercy of the community and your events happen at night and on the weekends and when the community needs you most and it doesn't fit a traditional nine to five schedule, it is really a matter of giving back in a way that's most beneficial to others. And so having a passion for giving back is something that you can always rely on yourself to pull through. Um, when you are stressed, when you're working on something, when you don't think it's all going to come together at the end, knowing that you're doing the right thing and doing it for the right reasons will always bring you back there. And one of the key pieces of advice I received that I always like to share forward is just be irreplaceable. Anywhere you go, anything that you do is find something that you can improve upon that when it comes time to leave, someone will stop and think, why, why are we letting this person get away? How do we keep them to continue making us better? And so, uh, that's something from an intern all the way up to a senior level executive is be irreplaceable. Find something that you can improve upon that will make everyone in the organization better um, and will attribute that to you.
2: Always a pleasure chatting with you, Allie. Thanks so much for sharing your story and giving advice on this episode of The Snap.
3: Allie,
1: one of my favorite tier two employees. I truly do miss some of those tier tours over there. I do too, Alexis. We're stuck over here in tier three. But at least we have each other. <laughs> and everyone at home listening or in their cars, we really appreciate all of you as well. Be sure to tune back in to the Broncos Podcast Network next Wednesday for the latest edition of The Snap.